Hello and welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tusken Shed Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series, Deep Space Nine. With me as always is Peter Dancy. How are you, Peter? I'm pretty good uh, for two reasons. One, because I'm at my friend's place uh, recording in his guest room because he because my because he's awesome, and I have uh, I have like this little artwork of owls behind me that Sarah noticed immediately when she got on. <laughs> immediately, without fail, like 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 her realization phase, like ah! um, and then se- and then secondly, be- and secondly, because I'm recording and and I'm and I'm not like chilling with my friend. Um, because I told him I'm gonna be, I'm gonna dip off for 40 minutes. He is in another room playing piano because he's a badass, and I'm and, and so it's nice to like just have that very quietly in the background yeah. for me. So it's 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 nicely entertaining. Nice. I uh, I always wanted to date someone who could play an instrument because I don't I want to play an instrument, but I'm too lazy. But I want someone else to play yeah. an instrument in my vicinity. <laughs> yeah, like... I, I I used to take I, I used to take piano lessons like like on and off from when I was about ten to when I graduated high school because because we moved around so much to, uh, due to my dad being in the army, and I wish that that was something that I kept up even after we even after we all got to college, because then I would be like that nerdy guy who 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 would just like start busting out a song and people would be like that sounds really awesome what is that and I'd be like oh you know it's something from Kingdom Hearts two. <laughs> Yeah, it's too bad piano's the hardest one to learn, I think, because that's the best. I feel like that's the sexiest thing in the world is just to see it go to party and there's a piano there and you just start playing and you're just like, yeah, I'm cool. Ah, uh, dude, no, I'm, I'm telling you, the number of times I probably could have picked up a guy just by just by just, just by walking up and, and start and I start playing Moonlight Sonata. Ah, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you you can't you can't open with Moonlight Sonata. That's well, I mean, you can. for, for non music people, you can. But if you want to impress like a music person, they're like, oh, Moonlight Sonata, that's so overdone. Oh no, exactly. I also just want to make better than Paco Bell's Canon. Do not ever open with with Paco Bell's I, I mean, just... I was never planning on it, but thank you. <laughs> I just want to also, as a joke, go to piano all sexy like and go, this one is for all the lonely hearts out there tonight. Ding, 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 And with this as well, we timed her to see how quickly she could see uh, the owls behind Peter and she got there in record time. It's Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? I may have noticed the owls before the humans. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's not true. I saw both of your lovely lovely faces, and Aww. then I noticed something's different in Peter's background. What is it? Oh my god, owls! <laughs> All right, you know, Sarah, I'm subscribed to Reddit R Owls just so like if I see a cute owl picture, I can send it along your way. Oh, I just see it on my. That's awesome. Page. I need to check out our owls more often. It's cute. That... Uh, but for someone who loves owls, I actually don't look at it regularly. That's fair. I understand that. It's not like something here. I gotta look at owls. I'm not a Reddit person so much. I have nothing against Reddit. I just don't go on Reddit that much. I actually haven't even been on my computer that much recently. Like when I turned it on today to record my po- the podcast, I noticed that the last time I was on my computer was Saturday. Wow. Oh, How do you do this? Yeah, how do you survive? I hang out with my girlfriend and play um, PS4 games. Uh, you and your oh, it's girlfriend official. Are we are we there yet? Yes, we we made it official yesterday. Oh, uh, oh again, shit! Okay, no know, one. I was, about say, I was about to say like, wait, what? Wait, what? 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 Well, knowing knowing my luck, we'll have broken up by the time this airs, but I hope not. Stop. 
I can edit it out if you have, I promise. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right, this week we are discussing Season 4, Episode 19, and Episode 20, which is Hard Time and Shattered Mirror. First up is Hard Time. We begin the episode with a very old, crazy-bearded O'Brien alone in a prison cell. He is shocked when the prison door opens and the warden tells him he is free to go, which confuses O'Brien. Even worse, he wakes up to find himself in his pre-incarceration body with Major Kira there. She tells O'Brien he was convicted of espionage and was given punishment wherein 20 years of memories of incarceration were placed in his head. When Bashir asks if O'Brien was alone in his cell, he says he wasn't, but in flashbacks we see that this is untrue. O'Brien's cellmate for most of his scent was Echar, a kind man who kept, helped keep O'Brien sane and helped ration food when the guards stopped feeding them. He even taught O'Brien to make isikas, a free-form geometric shape one draws in the sand to keep the mind free. On the station, O'Brien is haunted by the image of Echar. O'Brien learns he cannot have the prison memories erased and must learn to accept and deal with them. He finds life on the station difficult doing actions like hoarding food and sleeping on the floor like he is still in prison. Even worse, he sees visions of Echar everywhere. It's clear prison has hardened O'Brien, who begins to react violently. First, he hurts Quark when he doesn't get his drink quickly. Then, when Bashir pushes O'Brien to see the counselor more often, O'Brien lashes out that Bashir and him are no longer friends. Sisko puts his foot down and tells O'Brien that he is relieved of duty until the counselors view him as stable. He storms home, and while discussing things with his wife, lashes out at Molly for a simple childlike need of attention. Disturbed that he came close to hurting the ones he loved, O'Brien goes to the cargo hold, pulls out a phaser, sets it to maximum, and points it at his head. Bashir arrives just in time, coaxing O'Brien to put the phaser down and let Bashir help him. O'Brien finally reveals the painful truth, that Echar was with him, and something horrible happened towards the end of his sentence. It had been the longest stretch without food for the two, and Echar and O'Brien were butting heads. At night, O'Brien sees Echar secretly pulling out a cache of food. In a rage, O'Brien attacks Echar for seemingly letting O'Brien starve, but when he looks at the cache, he sees Echar was saving enough food for both of them. However, O'Brien discovers that in his rage, he killed Echar. The next day, the guards brought them more food, so the killing was for nothing. O'Brien believes that if he was driven to murder, then he is capable of anything, to which Bashir comforts O'Brien that his guilt shows he has not truly been broken. O'Brien sees a vision of Echar who forgives him and leaves his mind forever. He agrees to go back to counseling, and thanks Bashir for his friendship and compassion. O'Brien returns to his quarters, where Molly and Keiko welcome him home with open arms. What do we think of Hard Time? Well, I took notes as I was watching this episode, and even before I you know, got fully in to the episode, my very first note was, O'Brien must suffer. This is the most suffering. <laughs> yeah. This was Little like... did I know this would be the most suffering. <laughs> yeah, this was like the culmination of us saying O'Brien must suffer, and it was like, it, it became more past tense. It was like, no, O'Brien did suffer, and now he's like paying, he's like, now he's like paying the price for suffering, which is weird to say. Yeah, no. Did they did they actually say like 
this this espionage he was convicted for did they ever say what he actually did or was accused of doing uh, from what i understand he was not guilty and that he was just sort of looking in a place he shouldn't have been looking and they gotcha. can so like a wrong place wrong time i mean very clearly yeah. the 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 planet is sort of an authoritarian state oh yeah, yeah. if they convict you of 20 years of prison in an hour you know because like they said by the time they even figured out what happened to O'Brien. His sentence was already over. So, because that's how they work. Yeah. Yeah. I... Well, I I really liked this episode. I was emotionally drained after yes. it was done, but it yeah. was it was really good. Same. Like for me, I had to take a I had to take like a day before before I watched the next episode because I was because I I was planning on watching them straight through and I was like, you know what? Never mind. I'm oh, good really? for now. I went. It's because I knew Shadow and Mirror was in a, a Mirror Universe episode. I was like, let's go straight to it. But that one, sadly, too. So I guess only the first 30 minutes I should have watched it and then cut off and then come back to it later. Uh, I like this episode quite a bit. Uh, I might even say I love this episode. I have a few minor problems with it. But I think it does what a Star Trek episode can do very well, which is it kind of does two things it does very well. Where One is like it's sort of a... A Twilight Zone-esque story. It's kind of interesting. It sort of ends where a Twilight Zone episode would end, which I find very fascinating. Like, I feel like a whole mm. Twilight Zone episode could be a guy in prison for 20 years and then at the end of the episode he realizes he was just, you know, having a dream or having it planted or such whatnot. Um, and that would be the end of the episode with, you know, Rod Sterling going, it was all a dream and then that was it. Where this one actually deals with the consequences of that, which I found very fascinating. Like, you could have done an entire episode mm-hmm. that was more the inner light where it's the entire episode is that and this is like taking the second episode of the inner light which we never see which is picard being like ah i lived a whole life and i'm the same age oh my god yeah i forgot about that one um obviously this one's a lot more depressing uh because picard lived a good life and o'brien lived a horrible life um and the other reason i like it is it's socially conscious it is very clearly to me an episode about the issues with mass incarceration it is very much about how treating prisoners as subhuman only makes them worse. It doesn't rehabilitate mm-hmm. them. O'Brien was a good man who came out a murderer. You know, like that's dark, but it's somewhat true to how often the way we treat prisoners is in real life. So that's why I love this episode because I love the duality of just a good sci-fi story and a, a good bit of social commentary. Yeah, it it, 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 um, it along 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 with uh, looking at looking at the issue of the problem of mass incarceration, I um, with with how with how he acted towards his friends and colleagues, I, I also saw I also saw it as kind of touching on the effects of uh, PTSD when mm-hmm. when when it is not treated because because O'Brien felt like he didn't want to talk to the counselor he felt that he shouldn't have to talk to the counselor um and 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 on top and on top of that there was just a lot the, the whole the entire existence of hr he was keeping from everyone so he didn't even want to address it and it's like it's it's kind of, it's kind of showing you know when you don't when when, when you have when you have significant horrible things happen in your life and you, and you don't actually address them as fully as you could bad thing bad things can happen and and i mean i mean and and for me even with coming from uh a military background having grown up in the army i i i cannot in 
Anyway, I will never say that I know anything about what anyone who has PTSD has, has gone through, but knowing that those who knowing that those who have lived that who, those who who have those who have lived and are living that kind of life because of because of because of uh, the military that's tough shit that's really tough shit that that like needs to be addressed and that needs to be at the and needs to be more at the forefront of veterans which in a sense o'brien kind of became the second he went into prison Right, I mean that's sort of the interesting thing about his elements. For Keiko, it is you know a day gone by, and then she has to exactly sort of treat it like a veteran coming home who's seen horrible things and has PTSD, you know, in a very similar way. You're, you're absolutely right, but it's it's not even just that. It's literally like one day my husband is this, and one day he's this. You know, it's like it for her that time stream is only a couple hours, versus you know his understanding of time is completely warped. And right. It is a tough thing. I think they do very well, which is that it's tough to portray PTSD victims because you want to empathize with them, but some of their actions you can inherently disagree with, you know, and it's hard to not make them seem like dicks, which I think this episode did very well. It was like, you can always empathize with what he's going through, even when you disagree with him yelling at Bashir, for instance. Yeah, something I wanted to... Um have it as a discussion about this episode was dealing with that the time lapse element of this and just sort of a hypothetical discussion because obviously this you know compressing 20 years of memories into five minutes is not something we can or perhaps even would do today but um is this more or less humane than like incarcerating a person for 20 years and it is actually 20 years in you know, real time. That's an interesting question. So if you had like compressing a, it into five minutes. If I'm assuming you're hypothetical, then the prison would not be as horrible as it is in this, where it's a more normalish prison. Are you saying the? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Because he also um, he also gave him just like the worst prison. It wasn't even like a prison. It was true. like the worst prison, where yeah, it, he never goes outside. He never he gets fed on in regular uh, time periods, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, and you could also probably argue that, like, that with the situation they gave him, they kind of set him up to fail. Yes. Right, and I think that was part of the idea, was that they wanted him to... Maybe that's why it was 15... Instead of 15, it was 20, that he didn't break earlier. And maybe the sentence is an intent, a way to break somebody. And to make them, you know, more subservient to the state in some way or another. Or to show Mm -hmm. that you can break them. So... To go off my rewriting of your hypothetical, if it was a somewhat more humane prison, but a mm-hmm. person was still there, I don't know. I guess it's tough to say. Because on the one hand, there's, you know, the issue of, you know, your family and friends and everyone on the outside. Because, you know, on the one hand, they're just the same as when you went in. But by the same token, you're going to be a completely different person coming out and so it's the matter of there's no time to adjust yeah and so there's a drastic change immediately or you know all this time has gone by and they're prepared for the change that will come but at the same time they've changed a lot too so it's kind of like you know two entirely different people are meeting yeah again and so i don't know that's such a question is it's like 
and it's one I could even see possibly being proposed in in some ways because it would free up space guards and mm-hmm. you know uh, prisons I mean that's why it probably would never happen because all the prison companies yeah. would sue that's a different matter yes. altogether <laughs> but um, I think it would be kinder to the everyone but the incarcerated you know what I mean I feel mm-hmm. like it would be kinder to the families and other people, but I don't know if the incarcerated, I think there's just something naturally disturbing about the idea of seeing yourself age and then not having aged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if I woke up and I was 17 again, I'd be really freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if everyone around me treated that as normal, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I think there's something just inherently disturbing about the way we process time. I think if you, threw yourself into a younger body you would feel just like ah what you know what do you th- at the uh, on the other hand uh, just presenting counter arguments i don't disagree with you at all um but uh i am familiar with someone who has been in prison for about 20 years actually and next year he's getting out and oh, okay. I'm really worried of, about how he's going to adjust to the world because we, the world has changed so much yes. in 20 years. Like we didn't have smartphones 20 years ago. Yeah. That's true. Just, and I don't know. The internet was more of a fad than a you know exactly than a necessity. Commonality, yeah. Mm-hmm. Friends was still on the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. No, you make a very good point. I mean, I think that's inherently the, the issue with prison in general. It's always been sort of the question is if you keep someone in prison long enough, is it just impossible for them to ever readjust to society? Mm-hmm. Which is why people prefer the more like, you know, you go to prison for so long and then like the the English system sometimes works like that where you go to prison for so long and then you go to like a sort of prison-ish place but you're allowed to kind of go freely but you always have to come back or else you get arrested for longer and stuff like that but like mm-hmm. sort of a half integration into society versus a you're out here's your bus ticket get the fuck out of here kind of style that we go for now tough questions <laughs> Star Trek brings yes. <laughs> questions that will probably be considered in the next like five to ten years oh god so let's talk about something more fun I just enjoyed his giant oversized wrench that he used to beat out of a bunch of crates. I know it was a very serious scene, but I just, I, he was a little too uh, inebriated, but I just enjoyed him just smashing a bunch of crates with a giant wrench. It always cracks me up. Because I always think the actor just has fun with those scenes. And it, They're often very emotional even... scenes, but I feel like, you know, you ever watch a room trashing scene, you're like, but I bet the actor had fun with that. I was yeah. And it wasn't even just room. giant crates. They like, they were clearly empty. So when you hear them fall, you hear them like just like thunk and just like like thunk and bounce away and like in, into each other. And it's like, come on, guys, you couldn't have at least put like some sand in each of these to give them some weight. It's like no, they're just <laughs> falling over. They're fine. They're, they're... It's like an action movie when someone throws a box at someone. It's clearly full of air. <laughs> you're like, what are they making yes. in this factory? <laughs> Or whenever you're watching, or whenever you're watching a sitcom and, and they're and they're cooking, and it's clearly just a bunch of pots on a stove full of water, but nothing's in them. The one that kills me is fucking mugs that are empty. I always can tell oh that my a mug God. is empty, and I'm like, just put water in there, just please. Yeah, just please. water or juice or something. Like it, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be you know like actual coffee or tea, unless unless they just decided to take advantage of the coffee in the break room, and they were like, okay, just give me a fucking cup of joe. All right. Oh, I understand actors don't want to 
gain weight and have to pee and all that, but like just put something in there. Oh, mm. For the sake of the scene. Apple juice would make a very convincing green tea substitute if Absolutely. they, you know, didn't want to have right. hot beverages or something. Another thing I thought was interesting about this episode is another taking from real life thing is they sort of uh the Isikas were sort of a version of the Tibetan uh sand mandalas, which for those who don't know mm-hmm. these I wrote that down. I didn't think of that. Yeah. And uh they're or at least, you know, the ones that poor O'Brien makes are ephemeral, just like the, you know, yes. the real sand mandalas that are made. Is the, and that's part of the beauty of them is, you know, they're they're gorgeous and they're perfect, but, you know, once it's done, it must it's destroyed. And, you know, all of the, the energy and the love and care that was, you know, put into making it is sort of dispersed into the universe. That that may not be exactly the intent of them, but I think that's part of it. Yes, and, definitely. Um, not that that helped O'Brien, really. <laughs> the the latter part of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You can only do so many mandalas before you're just like, God damn it, let me go outside or something. <laughs> but I thought it was a really beautiful way of, of showing his progression. And part of me kind of hopes like like an inner light where Picard would pull up the flute from inner light every once in a while. I wouldn't mind seeing O'Brien absentmindedly making one now and again. as sort of a testament to the oh. time he spent. He'll just pull out a sheet of paper and pencil and just be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, go walk What are you doing, hun? Nothing. Don't worry about it, hun. And we will all cry. Yes. I felt the most affecting little moment was just him, a nice little moment where he was just talking to Keiko and he just started taking food off his plate and just absentmindedly putting oh it God, into yeah. his napkin. I thought that was just a very effectively done scene. And he's like, what? Like it was the most normal thing in the world. Yeah. This is what you do with food. You don't eat it. And you save half of it because you may not get fed again. Like that's well, God. Is talking about Keiko. I really want to see more interactions with her and Doctor Bashir. Oh, now that she's back on the station, because obviously they both love Miles so much, I know. and I feel like they could be really good friends. I really liked. Uh, side note: I'm really glad the show has a really good uh, male male friendship in this show yes agreed because i really like this episode was about how both family and friends are important to recovery which i thought was really mm-hmm. sweet that it wasn't just you know it was everybody trying to help miles as best they can it was a station of love trying their best which i really appreciate there wasn't any sort of yeah obviously people get mad at him when he strikes out but i think most people are trying their best you know even if it can be difficult yeah yeah like, like when he like when he struck out a struck out at bashir and he's like are you saying this as my doctor and bashir is like yes of course because i'm the station's doctor but i'm also saying this as your friend because we are friends i want you to be i want you to get better totally and then there was that really sad moment, moment when O'Brien's like, well, we're not friends anymore. And I'm like, no, don't yell at Bashir. <laughs> yeah, and it, 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 remind, it reminded me of, of, that, of that moment in The Simpsons where, he, where, he, where, Bart, where Bart was like, okay, now watch this part, Simpson. Or he's like, watch this part, Lisa. Right here is where you can see his heart break. And I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, this one like piled on because it was like he had to yell at Bashir, Molly, and Keiko. <laughs> it was like all the people in his life and then almost go kill himself. It was like, and kind oh. of quirk too when he wanted when he got to get his drink. Yeah, quirk and use a good rough up every now and then. <laughs> He's <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> He'll bounce back. Mm. Is there anything else to say for hard time? 
Um, I guess one more sort of discussion question to put to y'all. Um, so throughout this episode, uh, HR appeared not only in flashbacks, but also while O'Brien was back on the station, he mm. kept seeing him and talking to him. And uh, I wonder if that was just purely Miles' subconscious trying to deal with the guilt of the murder he committed in his brain, or if that was something from the program to further induce guilt mm. or suicidal thoughts for yeah. the perpetrator. You know, I hadn't thought of that. That's actually neither had I. Um, yeah, I would say for Miles, it was. I would say that it was mostly the guilt because he knew that he, he he knew that Ichar was someone that he hadn't told anyone and it and like Ichar his subconscious he was like it was telling him you need to bring me up you need to uh, confront this because this happened this was part of your experience and you're not telling anyone yeah it's problematic yeah I definitely viewed Ichar as a personification of trauma and mm-hmm. of repression for sure, which is why he goes away at the end. I feel like if he was an embedded program, he would never leave him ever, you know? Mm. And I don't think they would build in a guilt safety protocol. <laughs> We're like, well, true. he's admitted it to himself, so we'll let him no longer be punished. So I viewed it more as yeah, a personification of trauma. All right, well, our next episode is a little more fun for the most part. It is shattered. Sort of. For the most part, then at the end. (laughs) It is season four, episode 20. 420, bro. Jake arrives at his quarters, shocked to discover his mother, or rather Jennifer Sisko from the Mirror Universe, to be there. Despite not being his real mother, Jake is excited to see her and shows her great affection. Benjamin leaves to go to Ops, but when he returns, he finds Jake and Jennifer have gone, with only a transport device to the Mirror Universe left behind. Benjamin travels to the Mirror Universe, where he is greeted by Smiley O'Brien. He explains that the Rebels have taken Terak Nor, and that Smiley stole plans for the Defiant on his last trip, and has built an exact replica of the Defiant but needs Benjamin to help finalize the designs. Unfortunately, they are on a deadline as a Klingon armada is on their way to retake the station. Ben realizes this is why Jennifer stole Jake away, and he reluctantly agrees to help as long as he and Jake are warped away before the battle begins. On the station, we learn that Sexy Hair Dax and Jesus Hair Bashir are now an item, and they leave to go battle the Klingons on their own. He also learns that Nympho Kier is still aboard, having been captured. Meanwhile, Garrick fled the station, but was captured by the leader of the Armada, Evil Worf. Meanwhile, Jake and Jennifer are becoming very close. But Jennifer feels guilty for her actions, and she agrees to take him home, even though Ben isn't finished with the defiant preparations. Meanwhile, Nog, who's on the side of Kira for killing Quark and Rom and giving him the bar, helps Kira escape, who thanks Nog by shooting him to death. On her escape, she runs into Jake and Jennifer, quickly deducing Jake is Ben's son. She shoots at Jake, but Jennifer jumps in front of the blast. Kira lets Jake live and tells him to tell Ben he now owes her a debt before she escapes. Suddenly, the Armada arrive, long before the final preparations are done. Ben says Smiley is free to go, but Ben decides to pilot his ship into battle. The Defiant makes quick work of the smaller birds of prey, but are outgunned by the main ship. However, Dax and Bashir pull a Han Solo and come in last minute to clean all that shit up. 
Worf's ship is heavily damaged, but he escapes, and Smiley is surprised that they won the day. However, Jake and Ben have to see Jennifer. She admits she felt an attraction to Ben, and that they were, and always will be, connected. And with that, she dies in front of Ben for the second time. What did we think of Shattered Mirror? Uh, just This death was probably worse than the first time, because this, because... A, you're watching your quote-unquote wife um, die a second time. But two, this time Jake is now watching. Jake himself now has to watch his oh, quote-unquote mom yeah. die because before it was like Jake is somewhere else on the ship. Unfortunately, Jake, Jake is somewhere else on the ship, and we're escaping, and just we can't. Like, sorry, shit, shit got wild. It was crazy. Now it's like, no, Jake is literally right here in front of her. Yeah. Uh... Not only that, she died protecting him, which is going to give him a massive guilt complex. Oh my god, the guilt complex, dude. Yeah, I I enjoyed this episode, but I found the end unnecessarily mean. <laughs> like, I just, yeah. I yep, didn't really buy is... we had to kill her again. Yeah, women in refrigerators. A little bit? <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, because I, 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 it, it, feel, it feels like the only, or not the only, but the main reason it happened was just so Kira could give that line, like, I'm going to collect my, that debt from your dad as a way of, say, as a way of saying, I'll be back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just found it very unnecessary, and I did find it, like, because we gave her a nice characterization, this whole, like, an interesting sort of conflict where she's not Jake's mom, but she feels sort of an attraction for him, and she kind of feels attraction for Cisco, but they live in different universes, and is that weird? And I feel like there was a lot to work with, and they're like, ah, no, she's dead, so just don't worry about it. It just it just felt sort of unnecessarily mean and and neat in a way that I didn't really appreciate, even though I like the rest of the episode. Lazy and storytelling. So, hmm? What'd you say, Peter? I, I just I just said possibly a little lazy in storytelling that they didn't feel like you know taking that further. Yeah, yeah. Or even you know, they didn't have to kill her. Like they could have been like, "We live in different universes. This isn't going to work." Like I've got Deep Space Nine. You've got to defend Taraknor or whatever. Like you know, we're good allies. Let's keep it that Boom, way. Done. And that yeah. could be the end of it. Yeah. Just saying, there are so many ways that you can write an episode without killing a character. Or maybe a cute little, like, yeah, but Jake will come visit every once in a while or something, you know, like, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Never have to see her again. It can just be, like, understood that Jake or, goes and does or that. Or maybe even have an emotional moment with her being like, I'm not your mom. Like, I can never replace your mom, even if I am technically your mom, but I didn't grow up with you, so... You need to find your own way, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like and Jake, and Jake will be like, "I know," but th- he'll be like, "I know," but th- but, thank, but thank you for at least giving me these pa- these last few days that I never yeah. thought I'd, that I never thought I'd get, and it means a lot to me. Instead, ha! Ah, watch your mom die again, kid. Mm-hmm. Or actually, watch your mom die for the first time, as you pointed out, Peter, which I didn't even think about. Yeah, yeah. Well, how about the rest of the episode? I think we're in agreement with the beginning. Did you enjoy before the unnecessary death? I did, although I'm going to introduce an unpopular opinion here. I love Worf. Mm-hmm. Worf is great. Worf is a very interesting character. I'm glad he's on Deep Space Nine. I'm getting a little tired of him. <laughs> because I feel like most <laughs> of the episodes this season are, if not Worf-centric, that he's, you know, you know, one of the main focal points of an episode. 
And I, I know they're trying to like establish him as like, he's on Deep Space Nine now. He's not just a crossover character from TNG. Like he's doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. But we get it. Yeah, it's it's like I said last time where it's like where it's like another episode find, of, of Worf trying to get used to stay, Deep Space Nine again. It's like, like you said, Sarah, we get it. He's there. Like, why do we have to have another episode where at least some kind of main plot point um, hangs on his mere existence and being there. I I definitely agree with you that there's been too many of those episodes, Peter. That's why I didn't mind him in this episode because it mm. was just That's true. Worf being Fair. like a conqueror, which I thought was really fun because Worf is so often, he's so much about his character as like, I have these primal <laughs> urges, but I deny them for a greater purpose in the Federation. And that's what his character has always been about. And this one is just Worf going ham. It's Worf going yes. just ridiculous and having Garrick chained up like Leia and Jabba. <laughs> like he's got a oh little. Oh my God. Which I thought was. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> now that you said it, I can't get it out of my head. I really yeah. want to put Garrick in that middle bikini. <laughs> <laughs> and now that you said that, now I'm starting to think of him just like, oh, Cannot oh. Cannot be unseen. <laughs> So that's why I didn't. I did love mind him in this episode. I did love. Mm, that's true. I did love you know over dramatic Klingon moment of I have been betrayed. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. And the Klingons do not retreat. You know, I just like mm-hmm. Worf having to be a conqueror. I think is fun. So that's right. Yeah. And I did. I did really enjoy that space battle. Is it that space battle? Space battle. Yeah, I was one of our better space battles. Although I always take issue with. You know, there being explosions and laser fire yeah. sounds and stuff because there is no sound in space. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> and I know that literally every space movie or TV show there is out there, there is explosions, with the exception of Firefly. Firefly is very good at not having sounds in space. They are. They are. It never happens. It's wonderful. But everyone else is just like, boom, boom, pew, pew. <laughs> You wouldn't hear that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's one of those things where it's like where it's like everyone else, oh yeah, explosions, and then us, we're like, as an intellectual, there is no air in space, therefore no sound can travel, so we shouldn't hear anything. And it's just like, well, uh, I I hate to inform you both, but both Star oh Wars and Star Trek have explained this, which is that oh, have they? The sounds <laughs> come from the spaceships themselves. That the spaceships. They developed it that people didn't like that they couldn't hear sounds in space, so that they made the spaceships go pew pew pew, and they shoot lasers like you do in a video game, like you know when you're shooting a gun in a video game, you're not actually shooting a gun that's making actual noise, you're making a recreation of the noise. So they are making recreated sounds of laser fire in the cabin of the ship. So there's but the cameras comp. that we view this from are not in the cabin of a ship. <laughs> They're presumably floating in space. Wait, wait, no, I realize no, no, I, I, that I this is suspension of disbelief. I, like, I, I you know, have we, we have aliens and spaceships and warp travel, and I'm complaining about sound in space. I, but, I, I want you to be clear. I think this is it, a it, dumb it, nerd explanation, and I, I think it's funny that nerds have to explain everything in every movie. It's okay there to be errors. <laughs> That's my point. But, but, I, but, I, yes. but I still want to say to that, if, if, if the... If the spacecrafts themselves are projecting simulated sound of the la- of the laser shooting off and everything then is there like then like buried deep in the hard drive or whatever of of every of spacecraft is there like one final sound bite to simulate the sound of them exploding and that's what everyone hears <laughs> yes <laughs> yes 
They have to broadcast <laughs> oh my God. their own death. That's nuts. Someone should go in and replace the sound files with other files. Like, you know, have you seen the the guy who replaced every sound in Morrowind with Tim Allen going, Bleh? you know that? <laughs> That's a thing? Yeah, and it's terrifying because he's like, he's walking off like, it's like, it's so disturbing. I'm looking this up the second we're done recording this episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, remind myself in the future to tag uh, that video onto the description because it is something else. Can I just mention one thing that I, even though we mentioned that it's unnecessary death, there was an unnecessary death I found funny, which is that every single Mirror Universe episode kills a Frankie. <laughs> like, the first one killed Quark, the second one killed Rom, and this one killed Nock. Like, they Who's always... Ferengi and refrigerators. Ferengi <laughs> and refrigerators. They just can't survive this universe. They can't hack it. The Ferengi with no profits. <laughs> yes. Are we getting tired of the Mirror Universe? How would... You is it getting stale? Mm, not really. I wouldn't say um, so. I mean, we visited it what, like it's our three, third four time. times, or our third time. Yeah, yeah. So like a third, like the third, the third time in four seasons. I, I mean, that sound that as like an alternate universe. I, I'm, I'm actually kind of okay with that so far. Yeah, I kind of view it the same way that I viewed the paintball episodes of Community. Where I know people kind of got mad they kept doing paintball episodes, but I typically found that each paintball episode did a clever twist, and it was once a season. You know, I kind of like that it was like right. I like shows that have like Rick and Morty has their interdimensional cable episodes. I always enjoy that as a like kind of one-off episode. I don't mind it. I don't mind that we just every season go to the mirror universe and fuck around there, and it's not every other episode. So I haven't found it. And we get to yet. see sexy hair Dax. Yeah, and there and, G- and Jesus hair O'Brien. I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, also, I just wanted to mention I want to make a movie called Garrick Unchained. <laughs> <laughs> just Garrick. Have uh, Have Worf and Garrick met on the real Deep Space Nine yet? Not that I know of. I mean, I'm sure in canon they've run into each other, but I don't remember any on-screen conversation. Yeah, I just imagine that Garrick would annoy Worf Very to no much. end. <laughs> Maybe maybe that, maybe that's what maybe that's why, why why we have why we haven't seen it on camera because because like Bashir brought Bashir brought up Garrick to to Worf and Worf was like okay if there's anyone on this station that I'm gonna avoid it's him yeah absolutely it'd be worse than um, Odo and Quark oh goodness because yeah. <laughs> at least they're like frenemies Worf would just hate Garrick yes, yes he would. I, I I could definitely see a situation where Odo and Worf are interrogating Garrick, and Odo and Worf just has to like, I can't take this. <laughs> just has to like storm mm-hmm. out. Like, I can't believe a word he says. He's like, What's the point? He swims in deceit and lies. <laughs> and he has no honor. That's a very Worf line. <laughs> we still haven't gotten our line that you promised, Sarah, which is uh, the Dominion have no honor. <laughs> I know. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> It's okay, we got another like what three seasons to go. Oh yeah, we have plenty of time. We'll get it. Definitely. I'm convinced we'll get it. Is there anything else to say for Shattered Mirror? Uh from me, I love that Worf was I, I love that Worf said like one like one of Picard's famous lines, make it so, because Yes like, when he said that I was just like, Oh, Picard, yay. And then I and and, and then and then I realized just how much I say that sometimes. At least, at, at least to myself. And I was just like, wow, I really have watched this show a lot. 
like like Star Trek overall. Oh yeah, it seeps into your brain eventually. That's why I started drinking oh, yeah. Earl Grey tea, and now I just think it's delicious. But that's definitely why I started. There's a picture of me when I was five years old sitting in an airport in England drinking a cup of Earl Grey tea. And so now I'm wondering if, you know, because I grew up watching Star Trek, if that didn't, you know, get into my brain by osmosis sure. and I didn't even realize it was because of Star Trek. I'm going to go I was with, just yes. like, oh, I want tea. What kind? Earl Grey. I know what that one is. I think the fact that it's a real tea helps, you know, like. Uh, yeah. yeah. The number one. My number one restaurant I want to try in real life is uh, Los Pollos Hermanos from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul because like Mexican fried chicken that sounds fucking great and it doesn't mm, exist yeah. and I want it. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've said, I'm just like now, see another thing that like another thing that Ben has said out loud. I'm just like I want it. I want it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that should do it for. This week, next week, we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 21 and Episode 22, which are The Muse and For the Cause. As always, I want to thank my lovely co-host for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meatshield. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like this show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geek Space Nine signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.